Good morning, people. Recorded live from New York. This is Michael, New York. And this morning, we are going to be looking at different topics. Uh, Joe Biden had a press conference yesterday to mark his first year in office. So far, everybody has called that thing a disaster. And AT&T and Verizon have activated 90% of their 5G networks. And now there are international travel chaos. British Airways, Japan Airlines, and Emirates have scrambled to uh, deal with issues with the Boeing 777 and Airbus aircraft after the suspended uh, flight situations near airports because the 5G transmitters are creating havoc with something called a uh, radar radio altimeter. Basically, it allows aircraft to land in poor weather conditions, no visibility, and for some weird reason, um, the FCC didn't consult with the FAA, even though the FAA had already issued warnings to the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, um, in what can only be looked at as a frequency allocation disaster. And basically what happened was they allowed these frequencies to be allocated and used without thinking that's how they could affect radio altimeters. And it's not just airlines because you have air ambulance services. Uh, for example, here in New York State, if someone is sick in a small town or village upstate, and needs to get to a city hospital, they don't bring them by road anymore. They, they fly them in by helicopter. So these air ambulance helicopters go not just in New York State, but almost across the United States, highway disasters, issues, problems. They bring people out by helicopter. And sometimes these flights need to take place in the dead of night or in very poor weather conditions. Well, guess what? The 5G towers are affecting the helicopters as well. So rescue and ambulance, uh, Coast Guard, uh, U.S. military and other um, people are, are greatly affected by, by the system unless they have the newer LIDAR or laser radar-based uh, altimeters, which are more expensive and also uh, are not really yet rated for all kinds of aircraft. Let's listen into an article from the Daily Mail on this and what it said as this topic came out. Yesterday, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, if we can get this thing to play. Uh, there are many 5G conspiracy theories. One crackpot conspiracy is that the vaccine is a microchip of sorts or some kind of ferritin that will be activated upon completion of 5G cell towers. Okay, that's the Timcast. Some dude with a beanie on inside his house hasn't shaven, or probably taken a bath in months. We're not going to listen to him. <laughs> Basically, what we were trying to do is play a, uh, uh, a little bit of something that came out uh, on the Daily Mail. Uh, air travel. Now, I'm going to do a quick search here and get into that. And although Kim Castle sometimes, you know, they, they have nice topics that they bring out. But, uh, you know, 
we're going to look at this very quickly. Sorry about that remix thing. Um, and what exactly the main points are as far as uh, this is concerned. So let us listen again to my computer as it speaks to you for me. Emirates president calls 5G rollout fiasco the most delinquent mess he's seen in his entire career and blames Pete Buttigieg for doing nothing to stop the chaos after dozens of flights were canceled. And then uncanceled AT&T and Verizon launched their 5G network across America, turning on 4,500 new towers. The network has not yet launched near some U.S. airports due to concerns over safety. The telecoms giants agreed at the last minute on Tuesday to halt the rollout near those airports. By the time they did, international airlines had already canceled dozens of flights that were scheduled. Many of the airports have buffers to protect against the frequencies, but Boston, Newark, Memphis, Atlanta are among major airports that are not on the list of those with buffers now. They are rushing to bring those flights back onto schedules and find the staff necessary. Emirates President Tim Clark says he only learned of the 5G risks on Monday. He blames the FAA and the Biden administration for not doing more to stop the chaos. Delta says some flights will be canceled and Boz says some airports still aren't safe, but won't say which Air India, Emirates, Japan Airlines and all Nippon all canceled flights scheduled for Wednesday Boeing, which has huge contracts with the airlines and with the government, suffered in the markets. So, you know, it is a total of 239 flights from airlines and within the U.S. that have been canceled. It is unclear how many have been revamped or scrapped totally because of the network launch that has created havoc with these major issues. But going beyond that, the problems Pete Buttigieg, uh, with this massive screw up, uh, the, the, uh, you know, uh, sometimes it's there, sometimes not there, uh, always on maternity, paternity or whatever leave, uh, he's on this month, uh, with whatever choice of life that he's making, um, has basically gone out and screwed up the entire, uh, system. Uh, when it comes to this, he basically did as good as he did if, if he was still mayor of that city that he was mayor of when he, you know, went again and yet for some weird reason, so many people, well, no, there's no weird reason. There is a reason. And, and it's just that he's a manufactured candidate. People want him in there because of whatever he's done or is or what. And this is Pete Rouge's fault. This is basically, uh, you know, his big error and you know the guys are fake he goes out he, he pretends to ride a bicycle to work okay and this, this is so classic so his security detail brings him uh to a parking lot across the street from uh an area where he's like two blocks away from from his 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 uh workplace at the department of transportation and then he gets on a bicycle and he rides the rest of the way to work on a bicycle in the meantime his six SUVs uh, are following him to the building. Yeah, so that's the kind of guy you're dealing with with this 5G fiasco. Um, and, 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 and it is not, you know, something people are happy about. Um, and it is a 5G uh, rollout problem that, uh, you know, is just creating uh, uh, issues across the spectrum 
in the United States. And, uh, you know, if it were just the airlines, that would be less of an issue. But the problem is it includes, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it includes air ambulances and helicopters. So, so that is an issue, um, you know, um, and, and to learn more about it, you know, there are, there are long discussions that you can look at, um, you know, and it's, it's just something completely strange as, uh, we look at the situation with the 5G rollout and all its problems. Air Canada has it too. As, of course, many airlines do. 5G network towers came online, potentially interfering with the technology used to land planes. The 5G network is impinging or starting to squeeze that range of reliability of the radar altimeter. And should an erroneous signal or, or something develop. So, you know, that that's basically what they're saying. And, uh, you know, what, while it is a problem at some airports, it also is a major problem when uh, you're, you're dealing with uh, rescue helicopters and, uh, you know, the, the, the flight disruptions that these are taking place. And, uh, you know, uh, the helicopters, especially those that are engaged in either medevac, air transit, air rescue, be it police, be it law, you know, um, um, other groups, they're, they're very worried about this issue. Yahoo Finance had a topic on it a while back. and We need to talk about it now. John Shays, Helicopter Association International Director of Government Affairs. And... Not, not many of us are pilots, I certainly am not. So help us understand, uh, we get that you can have uh, interference within the, the band where the transmissions are taking place. Uh, I guess it's the same for helicopters as it is for the devices on airplanes. So what do we do about it? Yeah, I, that, that's right. And uh, thank you for having me on. Um, you know, you hit on something, it's, it's exactly the same. Uh, if anything, it's actually, more of an issue for helicopters if you consider the fact that uh, we're flying much lower uh, in urban environments and in uh, places where we're likely to see 5G towers come out first. So this is uh, this is definitely a concern for us. And we've got uh, certain helicopter missions that are really critical to this nation, uh, not just the economy uh, with, with offshore, uh, but with, with air med and firefighting and law enforcement. Um, so I think there's a real public interest in uh, this this issue. Uh, of course, we understand that uh, the commercial airlines have been uh, kind of front and center, but uh, I think folks are starting to realize that we've got a big problem on our hands if uh, if we're not flying. John, this is Emily here. So, what is the solution in this case? Like, is there a way for these new five G signals to operate while avoiding this kind of interference with aircraft and helicopters in particular that you're talking about? So. The FAA, um, in, in close partnership with, with industry and the radio altimeter manufacturers, uh, that's the critical piece of safety equipment that uh, measures the distance from the ground to the aircraft. 
um, have been in communication for some time. They've been trying to uh, identify um, certain areas and radiuses from the uh, from the towers where where the interference will be an issue. Um, and there's certain mitigations that may be available um, to, to operators and pilots that mitigate some of the, the interference concerns. Uh, those could be filters, um, and then again, maintaining a safe distance. Um, but the, the issue that we're running into is there's a number of different configurations with uh, helicopters and radio altimeters. So the, the aircraft varies and the radio altimeter varies, and uh, a simple filter will not work in most uh, circumstances. And the, and the bigger issue is uh, we're looking at being years away from having a 5G resistant radio altimeter. So this, this problem is, is one that doesn't have a silver bullet um, anytime soon. And that's why. So, you know, that, that's, that's why he was saying, you know, I don't want to play the whole interview that, that took place. It's about 28 minutes long, but uh, you can catch it on, um, um, you can catch it on uh, Yahoo Finance. Uh, I'll put a link to it in the show notes and, uh, you know, uh, let you make your own conclusions about that. Now, that, of course, is a major issue uh, with 5G. And no, it has nothing to do with the fact um, some people may think it does. It doesn't seem to be uh, <laughs> it doesn't seem to be the issue. So, you know, 5G helicopters possibly flying into the ground. Other topics that are being discussed, of course, is uh, why Moscow stands accused by the West of uh, being ready to invade Kiev and the nearby areas of Ukraine. Now, basically, uh, there are 18 scenarios that the U.S. State Department is prepared to deal with. Um, basically, uh, Victoria Newland, uh, who, who is with the State Department, says, and those 18 issues involving Ukraine are something that... Well, just as a, you know, it seems to be like a mega wag the dog project. It could be real. It could be real. There could be things moving there. But then again, let's go back and listen to history. Historically, Russia grew out of what is now the Ukraine. Kiev was the home of the first Russian czars. It is from there that it grew out and grew into other areas of what became imperial russia from there it was part of the same country of course the ukraine the ukrainians have a slightly different outlook and things but basically they're the same general people uh think of it as say you know if the united states were a thousand years old and uh texas was it was a part of it along with our, uh, oklahoma and say uh, much of the midwest uh, where, you know, most of the cattle is, almost all the wheat is, almost all their, uh, their uh, uh, oil and natural gas um, for, for, for the continental part of Russia or whatever is, you know, east of the Ural Mountains, which is kind of like their Rocky Mountains, uh, which is, you know, you go over the Urals, you start getting into Siberia and, and those places, which are really cold. Farming is not exactly something that goes well with extreme cold weather. Um Unless you're doing it indoors, but then again, that's another story entirely. And we're not going to really go into that. And what we're going to basically say is this. Is the whole situation with Ukraine a wag the dog thing? It's hard to say. Because a lot of people just don't want to talk about it. Uh, 
and of course, you know, then you had, you know, Biden uh, at his at his press conference the other day, um, and uh, you know what exactly that was all about when when things, you know, got into major issues and, and how you know he's worried about ooh, all of these things that you know russia could attack at any time now <laughs> you know, something you don't say all those things right you know let's listen in what, what exactly did the uh, joe blow have to say about russia possibly very frank discussions and uh the idea that NATO is not going to be united, I don't why. I've spoken to every major NATO leader. We've had the NATO-Russian summit. We've had other the OSCEs met, et cetera. And so I think what you're going to see is that Russia will be held accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having to fight about what to do and not do, etc. But if they actually do what they're capable of doing with the force of mass on the border, it is going to be a disaster for Russia if they further invade Ukraine and that our allies and partners are ready to impose severe cost and significant harm on Russia and the Russian economy. So, you know, you, you think about that, and, and that, of course, is what uh, Joe Biden is talking about, that, uh, you know, uh, Russia uh, could do something on a small scale and might do something, you know, but if they do a big invasion, then, it, then it's bad. So that's a scary thing. You know, if you listen to what he said there towards towards the end of it, that, you know, it's, it's like, uh, you know, uh, there might be an invasion uh, and about how if Russia invades and what it means. You believe. Let's do it one more time just to see if you pick up that portion about it and how, you know, dangerous such a statement is in uncertain times because that's not the greatest way of, of you know, putting things uh, um, in perspective. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of discussion regarding it. There's a lot of talk regarding it. So, you know, what, what, what exactly does it all mean? He's well, never seen sanctions like the ones I promised will be imposed. If he's been in deterring Putin and the, the threat of new sanctions give him pause. Because he's never seen sanctions like the ones I promised will be imposed if he moves, number one. Number two, we're in a situation where uh, Vladimir Putin uh, is about to, uh, we've had very frank discussions, uh, Vladimir Putin and I, and uh, the idea that NATO is not going to be united, I don't why. I've spoken to every major NATO leader. We've had the NATO-Russian summit. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having to fight about what to do and not do, etc. You see, that, that little statement right there, that is the thing that everybody's concerned about. I'm sorry, I kind of jumped forward here, but listen to it again. Having to fight about what to do and not do, etc. Incursion, and then we end, it's one thing if it's a minor 
recursion, and then we end up having a fight about what to do and what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor recursion, and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, etc. But if they actually do what they're capable of doing with the so basically, it's almost like he sent a message to Vladimir Putin, which basically said, well, if you do it in a small way, you know, you don't take the whole country. You just take this portion, you know. If it's like chicken Kiev, you only take the wings and the thigh. You don't take the whole drumstick. Uh, you know, that's a scary thing with this guy. And, that, and, and that's why his ratings are so low. How low can you go? Joe, oh boy, don't get me started. But anyway, you know those those are topics that, of course, we want to discuss and 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 and, and talk about because it is a problem. It is an issue. It is something that that people are very concerned about with uh, you know these types of issues um, that are you know being brought up and and what it all means, you know. And how exactly all of this are, uh, you know, uh, raising major concern on on these topics. So at this point, uh, you know, we, we are looking at the immediate situation, what it means, how things can can be positive. Uh, and and what exactly, uh, you know, how how the United States is, is dealing with the situation, and encouraging um, unity, um, as all of it is happening. I don't know what is going on with with my uh, player here. Sometimes I try and play a video. It just doesn't want to play. Sometimes it goes. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken meeting with the Ukrainian president at the U.S. Embassy in Kiev as tensions escalate over the possibility of war. Blinken arrived in the country this morning after Russia moved more troops towards Ukraine. Russia has denied planning to invade the neighboring country, but U.S. officials believe Moscow could attack at any point. So let's be clear. Our view is this is an extremely dangerous situation. We're now at a stage where Russia could at any point launch an attack in Ukraine. Woof, woof, woof. You're whacking it, dog. Uh, and what Secretary Blinken is going to go do uh, is highlight very clearly there is a diplomatic path forward. It is the choice of President Putin and the Russians to make, whether they are going to suffer severe economic consequences or not. So, you know, basically that is what they're saying in the White House is that, you know, it's a warning to Putin. And Putin has already said, I'm not going to do anything. I don't need a war. That's what Putin says. You know, he's, he's already gotten pretty much what he wants. He's got the new pipeline that goes into Germany. He's got other things going in. He's got the French wanting to break away from, uh, you know, from um, uh, discussions or issues regarding, uh, regarding this. And then uh, you've got, you know, so much of these topics being, being brought out. And people are just just wondering uh, what exactly the game plan is here, and also the mixed signals. And uh, kind of strange, kind of weird, but hey, that's the way life is sometimes. Meantime, in the United Kingdom, 
the uh, Mr. Producer Media video that I'm looking at here uh, has basically said that the United Kingdom is ending all COVID restrictions. Curious. So the United Kingdom, which is one of the first ones to lock down because of Omicron, is now ending all restrictions. And that's primarily because their prime minister is in hot water. And basically, according to the PM, uh, you know, they, they, they just are not interested in, in maintaining these things anymore. So they plan to end all COVID restrictions. Uh, let's listen to what Boris has to say about this. And no, no, Boris is not the Russian. We're, we're off Russia. Okay, we're, we're now talking about the UK. So here's Boris Johnson. If the thing plays, when I tell it to. <sighs> Sometimes you wonder why on earth did I get these things? We can return to Plan A in England and allow Plan B regulations to expire. As a result, from the start of Thursday next week, mandatory certification will end. Organisations can, of course, choose to use the NHS COVID pass voluntarily, but we will end the compulsory use of COVID status certification in England. From now on, the government is no longer asking people to work from home. Yeah. And people should now speak to their employers about arrangements for returning to the office. And having looked at the data carefully, the cabinet concluded that once regulations lapse, the government will no longer mandate the wearing of face masks anywhere. This is the Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker from, from tomorrow, from tomorrow, we will no longer require face masks in classrooms and the, and the Department for Education will shortly remove national guidance on their use in communal areas. In the country at large, we will continue to suggest the use of face coverings in enclosed or crowded spaces, particularly when you come into contact with people you don't normally meet, but we will trust the judgment of the British people and no longer criminalise anyone who chooses not to wear one. The government will also ease restrictions further on visits to care homes. And my right honourable friend, the Secretary of State for Health and Social Care, will set out plans in the coming days. Mr Speaker, as we return to Plan A, the House will know that some measures still remain, including those on self-isolation. So you heard it here, uh, not first, probably, it's probably been in other places, but basically Boris Johnson has said that in the UK, all restrictions are now lifted. Uh, you're pretty much on your own in the UK, I guess. You get COVID, you die. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But basically, uh, what, what Boris Johnson is saying is, is they believe the British people have enough common sense, considering the Omicron has not been as bad as first foreseen, and that the Delta variant is now under control with more people getting, um, you know, treatment, vaccination, and other options available, that there is no need for the repressive lockdowns. It's over. It's over in the UK. Uh, Boris Johnson, of course, is being criticized for this, but that is what it is. So for me, for now, from here, 
That is Mike of New York, and I hope you enjoy this podcast.